Welcome to another episode of Morning Coffee with your host, Rick Alexander. I started this show to talk about all of the interesting, complex, paradoxical, and sometimes uncomfortable aspects of the human experience. If you get anything from this show, the greatest compliment you could give me is to share this show with somebody that you think the message may resonate with or to head to iTunes and give us a five-star review. Additionally, if you want to interact with me, you can follow me at rickalexander underscore on Instagram. Without further ado, on to the show. find ourselves in chapter three and chapter four of Jonah. If you've noticed, the thing that I've pulled apart in this episode so far is the theme of surrender and really surrendering your own will to divine will, right? Your own egocentric, what I want, who I am for my life and opening up to the possibility that perhaps there's more for you. Perhaps you don't know what you actually want. And if you would allow yourself to let go and just be part of it all, perhaps you might find that there's something bigger and more expansive for you in your future. And the idea that when we let go, we are introduced into a love that is more expansive is something that came up in the last episode. And as we go through three and four, I'm going to do something a little bit different. So these are the final two chapters in the story. As I said, it's a, it's a very short story. Lots in here. I could unpack this. I mean, I've already, as I've been sitting with it, seen other ways that I could break down what I've done so far. So just know I'm not trying to offer anything comprehensive. I'm also not trying to offer anything contextual or exegetical, right? I'm actually just looking at the ideas that are emerging in these stories and trying to play with them and tease out how they could be appropriate in our everyday lives. And so what I'm going to do with chapter three and four is I'm actually just going to kind of summarize what happens instead of reading it word for word. And then we're going to talk about what that means. I also want to say, just for the record, it's really important that just in my own life that I speak from the voice that I've earned. Like one thing that is I don't know if it's different about me, but it's certainly something that is true about me is whenever I don't speak from my own experience, the words are hollow. And what that tells me is that there's immense power in the truth in aligning yourself with what's true. And at the same time, if you try to reach beyond who you are, right? you might say if you try to take on the role of God there's a hollowness in your words. And so then you end up in this position where you're having to force things. And the reason I say that is because in my own journey, I'm still on the boat, right? I right now, myself personally, Rick, am trying to surrender fully to my life. And I just put that out as a disclaimer because I'm only really starting to touch the fruits of what a life of surrender can really offer you. And it's hard, right? Because in Western culture, I mean, there's probably a good amount of people that listen to what I'm talking about in these episodes and they're like, yeah, I'm out of here, right? They, they aren't at that point where they're like willing to do that. A lot of people, what a lot of people want is, is for 
personal development type people to give them a message that really reinforces their worldview so that they can continue to do what they're doing and they can continue to continue to grow up and out. And, you know, that's great. That's, that's someone's journey, but it's, it's certainly proving not to be mine. Like I'm at the point, remember where Jonah's sleeping in the bottom of the ship and he's like, you know, someone comes down, he's like, how can you sleep at this time? That was just like last year for me, you know, a couple of years ago for me. So really getting out of the military started forcing this massive transformation process and I'm really surrendering to the flow of my life right now. So I just say that to put it out there for a couple things. Like one, to say it's process. You don't just one day wake up and you're like, all right, I release everything. And I think that it's something worth noting because, you know, you're going to work for this life. Like, you know, there's no getting out of it. Unfortunately, you're going to have to work in ways that are uncomfortable. And in Western culture, letting go of control, being the one that's okay getting thrown off of the boat, that's the thing that we have the most difficulty with. The thing about surrender, though, is what it does is it puts you in the flow with all of reality. Because you you might think, okay, well, I don't want to surrender. I want to own more and gain more and have more. And I'm not going to surrender anything. And I would say, okay, that's fine. But the natural process of reality is going to take everything from you, right? And that's true because we're finite creatures who live in this, well, it seems to be a pretty cyclical existence. You know, the life cycle is, we're, we're witnessing the life cycle. We can't own that. So keep that in mind as we head into these last couple of chapters, because the, the really cool thing that emerges in this story is that it, it's not like a lot of stories that we hear. It doesn't necessarily follow the hero's journey schema perfectly. Actually, it's utterly illogical. And I think that there's something in the Bible particularly where a lot of these stories are utterly illogical. And I think life is utterly illogical. And I think that's because we inherently as finite creatures are going to want to own things. We want to take things. We want to say, this is me. This is my identity. And when these stories portray what life is really like, the harsh realities of it, the utterly illogical parts that we can't really comprehend, what happens is we end up getting stuck in our growth because we're no longer flowing with life. So something that emerges in this story is the idea that what you want isn't necessarily going to be the thing that happens in life. Now, I think that's okay. And if you can embrace surrender, I think that you'll find out that that's okay too. Again, because there's always things that are bigger and better for you that you get to be a part of if you let go of that ego's desire to own things. So what happens is the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time and he says, look, go to the city of Nineveh and proclaim what I tell you. And basically he goes to tell them like, you guys are living in a bass backwards way. You're, you're not like love is nowhere to be found. And any time where you see judgment in the Bible, like what, what's happening is that people have abandoned love completely and their live their society is no longer built on the ideals that are conducive to life, which is love. And so he's like, hey, you got to go tell them. Now, something you want to keep in mind here is that Nineveh is actually a city in Assyria. And Assyria is like something like a rival to uh, Jonah's Judah, right? To Jonah's an Israelite. And so this city, he doesn't want 
them to be saved. So you can imagine that's part of why he wanted to run in the first place. Like he's got this deep nationalism and you see this a lot in the world today. It's like, no, screw them. They're not us. Like, fuck that. And so he's got that going on, but God's like, well, you got to go there and you got to tell him that that's your calling. And so he goes and he does it. And when he does it, all of the people turn themselves around and they fast and they do all of these sort of like religious ritual things, which you're going to signify getting in right relationship with life and love and, and God ultimately. And what's fascinating about that is that then God doesn't do what he said he was going to do because he tells Jonah, go tell him, I'm going to ruin this whole place. Like this place is going to go down in flames. And so he does. And they're all like, oh no, maybe if we get our act together, we can save our city. And something that's interesting here, this is something that emerges particularly in the Bible that's a little different than other wisdom traditions or, or spiritual texts, is that the individual, as I said in the first episode, really matters. And so something that just emerges naturally here is the idea that finally this person surrenders his journey, his path where he wanted to go, and it saves the entire city because the idea here is that we're all kind of co-creating this place. And it's so easy in modern society to be like, well, I don't matter. None of this matters. I'm really small. And I know I, I said that in the first episode, but it's an example of it actually kind of taking place in this story in chapter three. And so God actually like spares them because they get their act together and they get their life together. Now, interestingly enough, this makes Jonah really angry. And he's like, he basically, he, he just says, look, I knew you were going to, you're, you're a compassionate God. I knew you weren't going to ruin him. That's why I wanted to go to Tarshish in the first place. Why I didn't want to be part of any of this. And so Jonah gets super pissed off. He gets really angry. And then the Lord replies, is it right for you to be angry about this? Now, something else happens here. So Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. And there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. So basically he proclaimed what God said was going to happen. And then he goes out and he's just waiting, basically hoping God's going to destroy his enemy. I can't tell you how many people do that today, right? We're, we're like hoping for the destruction of people and we're using our energy and our thoughts to tear down the world rather than build it up. Because you'd say, what would love do in this instance? And that's a, something you can do whenever you're in a tough spot in your life. You say, what would love do here? Like how, how would I honor the highest expression of love in this particular situation. And of course I want them to do well, right? Of course I want this president to do well, who I didn't vote for and don't like. Of course I want this, just name something you disagree with. Love doesn't want you to ruin that person. You want to ruin that person. You want things to go south so that you can be vindicated, so that you can be right. And so he goes off and he just does the human thing and he sits and he's super uncomfortable and you can tell like by the text that he's like steaming angry and he gets super pissed and then at dawn the next day so the sun is out it's kind of like scorching him he's sitting out there then the lord god provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort and jonah was very happy about the plant but at dawn the next day god provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered when the sun rose God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. This is, you know, you imagine that anger. You know that anger. You're like, it's like self-annihilating anger. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. 
But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? So first he's like, ruin that city and do what you said you were going to do. And God's like, is it right for you to be angry right now? And then this plant grows and Jonah gets shade from it. And then the plant is taken away and he gets pissed again and gets angry. And then what does God say again? He says, is it right for you to be angry right now? Now, this is a question that you can ask yourself in any instant. Is it right for me to be angry? Now, sometimes it is, right? But listen to how this story ends. This is the illogical part of this story. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? And that's how it ends. And what's happening here, remember, Jonah was forced to surrender his life plan, right? He was forced to surrender his path and his will. Now he's being asked to surrender the result. This is a really difficult thing for us to do in the modern age, because We want to own things. The ego wants to own something. It wants to put its identity in something and say, that's mine. I did that, especially in our individualistic culture. Now, I think that there's a place for ownership if you're trying to be a good steward of the things that you're telling yourself that you own. But it's also important to remember that even if you don't surrender, the natural flow of nature is going to take everything that you own. And then the plant is another interesting one because this idea that we make things happen is a little bit delusional. You know, there are things you can force, of course, but I didn't mean to rhyme there. But when you do, it creates an opponent force always. You can just think about anything you've ever tried to force a relationship. Have you ever forced anything and had it actually work out? The answer would be no, because you can't force anything. Because this life is happening to you and your job might be to let it, right? To just let yourself be part of it all. There's this really great lecture that Alan Watts has about trusting the universe. And he says, it's the idea that you look at the universe as if it's another, another person. And you say, okay, now let's see what you're going to do. Now, this radical trust scares everybody because we, again, are told or we grow up believing that we have to have the answers in our lives. And this is somewhere I think science can be really helpful. You know, the, the expression, the exploration of science, because what science does is it seeks to disprove itself, right? It seeks to find chinks in its armor. It seeks, now I'm not talking about the political invocation of science, right? He's like pointing at these studies and being like, science, just pay attention. It's like, okay, you can prove anything with this study. But the scientific method is constantly showing us how much we do not know. And that's why the smartest people in the world, Socrates, Einstein, these people talked about how little they actually know. They were humbled. And the reason they were humble is because they were actually in right relationship with their life. And that's what surrender does. It puts you in right relationship with your life. Now, it's not that it's not painful. It's not that you're not going to sink down to the depths of the deep, but you're in the human experience right now. And something to understand is this place is inherently painful. You know, there's not a lot that you're going to be able to do to get out of that pain. Part of that is, again, because of this cyclical life process that we're all a part of. But maybe there's a lot of beauty too. Maybe you don't have to force anything. Maybe there's no 
road that you get to the end of that you can take your hat off and say, ah, look, I finally made it. And one thing that's great about the Bible is there's all these stories where they talk about that. Jesus tells a parable about a guy that, you know, works his whole life, saves everything up, has barns full of, you know, food and provisions. And finally is like, ah, yes, I never have to do anything again. I finally made it. And Jesus says, you fool, because your life is going to be demanded of you this very, I think it's afternoon. And that's the point here. You don't know what's going to happen. And so maybe the point isn't to own things, you know, not, not, I'm not saying don't own a house. I'm not saying don't own possessions, but I mean, as a psychological disposition for moving through your life, maybe you don't have to put your identity in every relationship that you're in in every job title that you get in every achievement and finish line that you get to. Maybe you just get to be part of it all. And if you do let go what I'm finding, and again, this is my journey, right? We oscillate back and forth between clenching and then letting go. But what I'm finding is in those moments of release, of letting go, there's immense clarity and beauty of the realization of what you really are and what this really is. When you're not playing your game, right? When you're playing life's game, there's a really great quote that says, God comes to you disguised as your life. And I think that's perfect here because so often our life is trying to ask us to let go of things and we're growing resentful in the process. And the thing to understand is life didn't agree to our terms. We're here on its terms. This life is a gift to us. And so maybe you just need to let go and release. And here's something interesting too is in the Buddhist tradition, they have the idea of nirvana, which the Buddha apparently reached in his lifetime. And nirvana, the actual translation of it, we think about it as this like bliss, but it's actually more akin to the exhale. The actual translation is more of like a release. You know, you can do this. You can just take a really deep breath and let it out. And you can actually feel what it feels like to release that oxygen. Now, you can't, you you take a breath, you can't keep it right? Yet you need it to live. What do you have to do? You have to let it go. You don't get to keep a breath whenever you take it. The only way you get to keep being part of all of this is if you let that breath go. And so the idea is that nirvana is akin to that ease that you feel in that release. And then you start to ask yourself, well, man, what would my life look like if I always had that, the ease of an exhale? I mean, could you even imagine like you pull up to a stop sign and someone slams on their brake on a orange light and the in part in part of you crawls inside right or someone cuts you off when you're when you're pulling out or you know you have a plans with somebody and your friend shows up late like think about that is the exact opposite of that just surrender and releasing control so imagine if you could have the ease of an exhale when you're in those situations at the stoplight life could be a lot different for us, you know? And I think that's something that we have to keep in mind here is the way that we've learned to move through the world up until now, it's not the only way. There are other ways, and these wisdom texts really outline a lot of those ways. But yeah, just letting go. Like even when it's illogical, you know? Even when, you know, you get something, it feels so good, but the recognition that, but this isn't mine, I don't own this stuff, I'm not going to be here for long enough to to own it. You know, the tree in my backyard was put there 
somewhere in like 1910. Imagine the world that this tree has seen. Like that tree has staying power. I don't have staying power. I don't have roots like that. I don't got life like that. And so opening up to the fact that maybe there's a different way to navigate all of this could be immensely beneficial, I think. And again, I think at the end of the day, what it's all it's really doing is putting you in the natural flow of reality. This Western ideal of like growth at all costs, hustle at all costs, achieve at all costs. Those costs are your well-being. You know, those costs are how you feel about your life. Those costs are that feeling you get inside when someone cuts you off and you think, I should be ahead of them right now. Fuck them. That's the cost. That person, they don't, nothing happened to them. Something happened to you. And it's always happening to you. Every moment that you are trying to manipulate life in order for it to give you what you believe that you are entitled to. And so then we go around and things don't work out and then we work ourselves up just like Jonah. And I don't know, maybe we hear the voice of her life. We hear the voice of God in the back of our head saying, is it right for you to be angry right now? And maybe you realize, oh, I'm actually trying to force life to terms that it never agreed to. And so maybe that's not my job here. That's certainly been the experience that I'm learning to live by in my own life. Hope you guys have an amazing day. We'll talk later on Morning Coffee.